0: Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Be sure to visit RobertJ.Morgan.com, where you'll find Rob's blog posts, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five star review. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Whatever happens, turn your balance sheet upside down. That's the theme of Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 through 11, and I want to jump right into this passage. And so, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. We began a study of this paragraph last week, Uh, and so if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, you may want to go and give it a listen, because one, in the the logic of God as it unfolds in the Scripture, one thought builds on another, but this is a wonderful paragraph we're coming to. So, let's read it together. I'm beginning now with Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's first concern here is that we know Christ, that we enter a personal relationship with him by grace and through faith. But his second concern is that we come to know him better and better. We talked about that last week and laid the foundation for it. I believe that is really, in a very clear way, what is unfolding in this passage. And so that brings us to a question. How do we then grow in our relationship with Christ? How do we get to know Him better and better? How do we become more deeply acquainted with Him? And here, I believe Paul gives us four ways. First, through fellowship with Him through fellowshipping with Christ. It's very much like getting to know another person better and better. It happens through conversation. It happens through constant fellowship. When I was a young man, we didn't have all of the Bible translations that we have now. I grew up on the old King James Version. But in 1965, an edition came out called the Amplified Bible. And... Not long afterwards, I got a copy. I still have it. This version of the Bible took the 1901 American Standard Version and brought in the Hebrew and the Greek and amplified the meaning of the words with synonyms, which were suggested from the original text. And so, it's really an expanded translation. Well, I began reading the book of Philippians in the Amplified Version when I was in college, and I came to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10— and it is worth the price of the entire book back in those days i didn't pay a whole lot for books but whatever i paid for it the amplified version it was worth it just to read philippians 3:10 in this translation it has shaped the way that i understand the concept of knowing god and so i memorized this verse in the amplified version and i've gone back to it again and again and i want to quote it for you philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Now that's a mouthful, I know. The translators took that one word, know and they used 27 words to amplify or to define it. What does it mean to really know Christ? It means to progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly. I was taught as a young adult that the primary way of doing that is through having a daily conversation with the Lord, which happens through daily Bible study and prayer. Now, all of that is very simple, but those simple concepts have shaped my ministry, and I've done everything in my power to help people meet Christ at His cross and then to meet him every day for prayer and Bible study, progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. I remember many years ago preparing a sermon that I called The Cross and the Closet. In the old translations of the Bible, Jesus said in Matthew 6-6 that we should go into our closet and pray to our Heavenly Father. Well, in those days, houses were very small, and they tend to be filled with children, and a lot of children, and often animals. But there was always a very small room for supplies, sort of like a pantry in our day. And Jesus said, find that private room where you can close the door and be alone, and use that for prayer. So, he called it a closet, or at least the King James Version said, Go into your closet and talk to your father in secret. Well, in my sermon, I said that we meet Christ originally at the cross, and we call that conversion. But then we meet with him daily in the closet and we call that conversation. At the cross we come to know him. In the closet, we come to know him better and better. When discipling others, I've often taken a napkin and drawn pictures of this, a door for a closet and then a cross. And I explained to these new believers um, that we come to Christ at the cross and we meet him, that's conversion, but then, and that's a one-time event. But then we go on a daily basis meeting him in the closet, and that's conversation. That's how we get to know Him better and better. Well, that's the sermon that I prepared long ago, but I'm still preaching the same thing today. We come to know Christ at the cross, and we come to know Him better in the closet through daily fellowship with Him, especially in times of prayer and Bible study. But the Apostle Paul doesn't finish his thought with that. He went to he went on to say, I want to know Christ, yes to know Christ. The power of his resurrection. Now, think about this. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, I want to know him, and I want to know the power of his resurrection. And the book of Philippians follows the book of what? Ephesians. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit had something to do with the ordering and with the arrangement of the books of the Bible. Philippians follows Ephesians, and so as you're reading through the Bible, maybe you read a chapter every day, well, you read Ephesians chapter 1, and about a week later, you come to Philippians chapter 3. It seems to me that Paul is referring in Philippians 3 to what he had just written a few pages before, as we have it in our Bibles, in Ephesians 1. Notice the parallel. Let me read Ephesians 1, beginning with verse 17. Now, listen to this. This is Ephesians 1, 17 in the New International Version. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better that you may know him better. There you have it. The Ephesians already knew Christ. They had met him at the cross at the moment of salvation, but now Paul longed for them to go deeper into their relationship with him and to know him better, the same thing that he is saying to the Philippians. Our greatest obligation and our greatest opportunity in life is to get to know the Lord better and better. But let's continue reading in Ephesians chapter 1, this time with the next verse, number 18. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and verse 19. His incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength that He, God the Father, exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in the present age, but also in the one who is to come. In other words, we come to know Christ better as we live in his resurrection power the same power that fueled the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is available to fuel our daily living. And as we experience that, we get to know Christ better. We read that in Ephesians 1. We read that again in Philippians chapter 3. If you're reading through the Bible, you read it very clearly in Ephesians 1. And a week later, you read it again in Ephesians chapter 3. We are to live in resurrection power. Just last week, I was in Jerusalem, and I spoke to a group there at the site of what is called the Garden Tomb. After everybody else left, it was late in the afternoon. The sun had already sunk, and my grandson Elijah and I were alone in the garden area. It had become dark, but path lights led to the tomb, and there was a dim light inside and around the tomb. And so we walked in there, just the two of us, and standing in the dim light of that ancient empty sepulcher brought a thought to my mind, and this is the very thought that formulated itself to me on that evening last week. The only way to live in fullness is to live in emptiness. The only way to live in fullness is to live in emptiness. In other words, where do we get fullness of joy in our lives? Fullness of courage, fullness of the spirit. It is from the emptiness of the tomb of Jesus of Nazareth, a tomb that was occupied by a shroud-enfolded corpse for only a moment of time before being vacated once and for good, now and forever. And the same power that God exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same power that provides the energy for us to live an abundant and an eternal life now. As we experience more and more of that resurrection energy, we come to know the Christ of the resurrection better and better, once and for good and now and forever. It's the emptiness of the tomb that gives us the energy we need to live the fullness of the life that God has for us, and we get to know the Lord better through the power of his resurrection. But the Apostle Paul isn't finished We also come to know the Lord Jesus Christ more deeply, not only through fellowship with him and fellowship with his resurrection, but the fellowship of his suffering and of his death. This is exactly what he says. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed even to his death. Now, this is very deep, but it's really very simple. As we serve the Lord faithfully, we encounter opposition and hostility and rejection and sometimes persecution, and that enables us to experience a bit of what Christ experienced, and it causes us to trust Him more than ever. Do you know, it's very strange how the world hates the message and the adherence of Christianity. I just listened to a fascinating interview that Shane Morris conducted with Christian thinker and writer Frederica Matthews Green. She shared her fascinating testimony. As a child, Frederica remembers her mother being an atheist. Her father was a nominal Catholic. As a young adult, Frederica became part of the counterculture. She is my generation, and and this was the generation of the hippies, and she became, she said, a feminist hippie. And yet, something was deeply bothering her. She wasn't a Christian. She wasn't religious at all. But she said that she realized that she had contempt for Christians, but she did not have contempt for the adherence of other religions. She said, I couldn't quite understand that. I admired Hinduism, I admired aspects of other religions but I hated Christians to the point of wanting to damage them. I wanted to embarrass them or humiliate them. And she began to wonder, where is this coming from? Why is it that I admire all of the other religions, but there is something in me that is inherently hostile to Christianity? And that nagging question began to convict her, and over time... It led her to investigate Christianity, and she eventually became a devoted, deeply devoted follower of Christ. Well, Jesus said that the world just inherently hates his followers. He said in John chapter 15 and verse 19, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. Well, that's a remarkable statement. We are, in our very essence, a different race of people than anybody else on earth. We are citizens of another kingdom. We serve another monarch, and the world instinctively has contempt for us as we realize this, and even as we experience it, we're experiencing more of what Christ experienced. We are becoming more like him. We are sharing in the contempt that he faced And it's like foxhole buddies in combat. We're growing closer to him. Just as I was preparing this message, I got the monthly newsletter from Voice of the Martyrs, which tells stories of the persecuted church. And there was an article about a group of pastors who met recently in Mozambique. Their area had been infiltrated by Muslim extremists. And as the pastor sat around the table They told horrible stories, one after another, of the sufferings that they had witnessed. One pastor told of Christians being decapitated. Another told of believers being burned alive in their cars. Another told of his church building being destroyed. Another one didn't know where his children were because they had been scattered by these insurgents. But finally, the pastors bowed their heads and they began to pray. And then they began to sing and their time of shared sorrow turned into a time of worship, reflecting their hope in Christ. And they all left that time of worship agreeing that through their sufferings, the church would grow. And you can imagine that they felt closer to Christ after they left. Most of us cannot begin to comprehend what is happening to our Christian brothers and sisters and the persecuted church right now, but these faithful men and women are coming to know Christ better than most of us because they are sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings. And yet in another sense, we all encounter sufferings in this life. I have been stunned recently by some of the hardships that have happened to people around me. What do these things do? Well, they drive us closer to Christ. There's an old song, and I love it, It says, I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. And so we grow closer to Christ through our fellowship with him, through our experience of his resurrection power in our daily lives, and through the sufferings that we share especially in the persecutions that come to us as they came to him. But finally, and fourthly, we come to know Christ better by the anticipation of being with him forever. Look at verse 10 again. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, the word somehow here seems out of place to me, but it's only because of the way we interpret it. Paul is not implying here there is some doubt about the resurrection. He is not saying, well, somehow I hope that I'll be resurrected. He is saying, I am amazed By the thought that Almighty God in his triumphant power will somehow bring all of the molecules of my decayed body together at his return and I will be resurrected. Well, at the resurrection, we will simply continue getting to know Christ better and so much better than we could ever get to know him here on earth in his great final prayer. In John chapter 17, Jesus said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. In other words, the Lord Jesus wants us to be with him forever, beholding him with growing awe and wonder. And Revelation 22 verse 4 says that his servants will see him, we will see his face. Jesus is both God and man, and he is infinite in every aspect of his personality, and so we can never get to the bottom of his wonder or his love or his majesty or his power, but we will have a literal infinity of time to walk with him, to talk with him, to be with him, to fellowship with him. There will be billions of people, I believe, in heaven, but because of the nature of everlasting life, We will have endless opportunities to spend time there with Jesus, and we will spend eternity getting to know him better and better and better. And so that's how we progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Christ, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more accurately and more clearly. We come to know him by grace alone through faith and we come to know him better through fellowship with him, by living in the power of his resurrection, by sharing in his sufferings and perhaps even death and by our anticipation of knowing him and being with him forever and forever. Let me end with this. In 2016, a family in the South was sifting through their great-grandparents' belonging and tossing things away, and they came across a paper bag that was filled with trash and headed to the dump. Or so they thought. Looking inside, they found a treasure trove of old baseball cards, including seven original Ty Cobb cards, which said on the back, Ty Cobb, King of the Smoking Tobacco World. Well, those cards were worth more than a million dollars, yet they were thought to be at the time by somebody just trash. What the world holds in contempt, we hold in rapturous contemplation. For those of us who follow Christ know what is really valuable in life, and it goes back 2,000 years There amid the smoldering ruins of a gloomy day of anguish near a trash heaping Jerusalem, there was an old rugged cross. And today we cherish that old rugged cross until our trophies at last we lay down. We will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Well, that's today's lesson. Our great concern in life is to know him and to know Him better. Thank you for listening, everybody. Next week, we will continue on with our study of the Book of Philippians. This podcast was produced by Joshua Rowe and Clearly Media. Audio editing is by Jared Brummett. Sherry Anderson does the editorial work, and Luke Tyler posts these podcasts on blogs at my website, robertjmorgan.com. Thank you for listening, everyone, and may God be with you until we meet again.